So, uh, do you do you plan to do something? You know, Whoop the 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 strap. They have a very interesting podcast where they bring influencers and wellness people, and they it's it's very interesting. You can learn a lot about health and stuff. Yeah, and that's I love it. Whoop wasn't on my radar. I've listened to their podcast before, mm-hmm. and we are going to do exactly what Whoop does. When you hit me with that, I was like, holy shit! I've already listened to a couple Whoop podcasts, and that's exactly what we want to bring to the table. A little bit of a different spin where my dad's expertise is in functional medicine. And functional medicine is about all aspects of our lifestyle that play into our wellness and addressing the underlying root cause of the conditions that we're fighting using our lifestyle as the main way to make changes in our body. Because when our body is healthy, it can heal itself from almost any condition. It's gotta be in a really optimal state. And unfortunately, we're never in that state if you eat a typical American diet. You know, if you look at our lifestyle here, and across the world, but America is definitely one of the worst. When you look at our obesity rates and the different chronic conditions we have, I believe it's the food that's killing us more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's the food, but I think there's also it's funny. I come well, I come from Montenegro, and we don't really have like organic and non-organic stuff. More most of the time, it's it's typically organic, anyways, right? Um, and what I realize here is when you go to the supermarket, you get charged for real food so like if i want to buy a piece of meat it's expensive if i want to buy something green it's expensive if i want to buy i don't know uh, pop tarts it's very cheap so anything that's processed is very cheap so you can digress into that and uh when i was a student i started eating that and i was like okay i'm gonna live on the budget but at some point i, I thought to myself it's like it doesn't really pay off in the long term it's better for me even to pay this money now and eat the proper i don't know steak or a fish or something than eating Pop-Tarts all day long. And you get stuck and you know, it's think about a lot of families that don't even have access to real food. And the cost of eating at McDonald's for a family of three or four is unbeatable. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that it's so cheap to eat so unhealthy that in my opinion, we're being tricked into it. It's like, there should be just like there was a cigarette tax, you know? Right, exactly. I think I think that other like from a financial perspective, I believe what you said that there are people who basically are forced financially to eat at those places. I think there's just an, if if these people if we didn't have fast food, there would be hungry people out there. Um, so it's it's a weird problem. Um, have you have you ever thought about fasting in terms of like health? I know oh, we start with health. Love also. fasting. You know, for me personally, I think everybody's body is different, right? So there's no. It's not like yeah, everybody should fast. Fasting made one of the biggest differences in my life for my health. Now, I have a very sensitive stomach. I've since done a lot of tests with my dad at the functional medicine practice, like food sensitivity tests. I'm actually doing one right now. It's a uh, saliva hormone test, so I have to mm. you know, do that after we hang up here. Um, but I'm really looking at all aspects and trying to optimize my health to be the best performing CEO and husband in all aspects of my life. And even I'm 33, but I still want to get out there and be a good athlete. But intermittent fasting changed my life. And I would always have an upset stomach. One, I was not eating very healthy. That was a big thing. Mm -hmm. But even I've now cleaned up my diet. But even when my diet wasn't cleaned up, by just stopping eating in the morning and allowing my, my stomach to fully digest and be empty and allowing the energy in my body to go to other places other than digesting food that's not good for me, it just changed everything. I found I had way more energy. Um, I'm not, I haven't been sick in a long time, like all sorts of great things for me personally. So I love intermittent fasting. Yeah. I, I've been doing it for some time as well. And I, one thing I really, well, one thing I like to do is, and I had a similar problem with stomach like you, I like to drink coffee in the morning on an empty stomach, which is not good for your stomach actually. But I think the mental boost that you get in general, like if you're fasting, you don't get that love from eating a lot of food. Oh my God. It's, it's really it takes you to another level even when you even when you eat afterwards you still maintain that kind of good focus um and also it's easy to lose weight i lost when i was preparing for a triathlon i lost i think nine kilograms that would be like 15 pounds just by fasting you exercise and fast yeah so that's great um well 
for the people who are listening, I guess we there, were no, there was no introduction. We went directly into health, which is good. I think the podcast of the of the the topic of the podcast is mostly going to be health. But we are talking to Ryan Gresh, who is the founder and CEO at the Feel Good Lab. Uh, Brian, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining. Um, and yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself to the people who are listening, that would be great. Sure. Thanks, Vladimir. And it's it's been a pleasure working with you over the past few months on the Net Capital Fundraise. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit today mm-hmm. and how we met each other. But, you know, the Feel Good Lab exists really with the mission of helping people um, what we call fighting pain with wellness. And so chronic pain is an epidemic in this country. Just in the United States alone, there's 100 million people that suffer from chronic pain. And that's scary in itself. That's a third of our adult population. Even crazier than that, two-thirds of those people do not believe that they will ever live another day pain-free for the rest of their lives. And the reason is, none of the solutions that we have today are actually helping address the root cause. So where the Feel Good Lab comes in, you know, we don't believe that there is a silver bullet pain medicine that's just going to all of a sudden take out this epidemic. No. It's about wellness and it's about getting our body into the physical state that it can actually you know, perform the functions that it's intended to do, which includes healing itself. So there's always an underlying root cause with any chronic condition we deal with. And at the Feel Good Lab, we look at solutions that are more plant-based and healthier, that have less side effects, but are really efficacious. Because one of the things, it's, it's probably my favorite quote, it's by uh, Naval. Do you know Naval? Yeah. The, He's the, amazing. The... Angelus founder, the guy, right? Yeah. If anybody has never heard of Naval, if you can listen to his podcast on Joe Rogan or any of his podcasts, he is probably Tim, one of my Tim favorite. Ferriss, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. What's, what's it? Yep. Tim Ferriss, right? He was on uh, Tim Ferriss also, but he was also on Rogan twice. And his quote, it just resonated with me. I say this every single day. A rich man wants a thousand things, but a sick man only wants one. Yeah. They want to get better. And I believe all the people that we deal with in chronic pain... They want one thing. They wake up every single day wanting to get out of pain. It's the only thing they can think about. I just hurt my neck about a week ago. It's just better today. For the past week, I could barely think about anything else except for my neck pain. I can't be the best CEO I want to be, the best husband, all these things that I want to do. I can't do any of that when I'm in pain. And so the mission at the Feel Good Lab is really allowing people to get over this epidemic and get their lives back and bringing solutions and products to the market, but also education that can help people do that. And it's really all based, you know, my background is is funny enough. I'm an aerospace engineer. I call myself- I, w- I wanted to ask you about that. I'll go into that. I really want yeah. to ask you about it. So, but, but the reason I say that is because this all started with my dad, who's a functional medicine practitioner and a pharmacist here in Connecticut. And he's been specializing in finding better, more effective ways to treat chronic pain for 35 years. And he's the one who really in his pharmacy and functional medicine practice was able to develop our first products, working with patients, understanding what the root causes are, and then customizing medicine for thousands and thousands of people in chronic pain. He realized that there's a lot of synergies. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that he was using in these compounded medications that could be created in an over-the-counter package and sold to the masses. As much as we believe everybody is different, One of the big things that we look at in chronic pain is most of the medicines we take are actually making us sicker. So Mm -hmm. opioids are are an amazing tool for treating pain. They're incredible. Mm -hmm. When that pain is chronic, it is just a disaster waiting to happen because there's an underlying root cause that we're not addressing and we're masking symptoms with a really potent medicine that's just going to get worse and worse and worse as we build up a tolerance and then we know what happens with the opioid epidemic. Well, oral medicines that are over the counter for pain, like, you know, Advil, Tylenol, Ibuprofen, again, great tool for the job. They're called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, non-NSAIDs. They're amazing breakthrough. But when you take them every day, and we've surveyed our customers, over 60% of our customers that are pretty healthy because they're looking for a healthier solution, take an oral NSAID every single day. The number one reason for going to the hospital right now is GI bleeds. Yeah, because they destroy your gut biome, right? Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you take them every day for years, it can be devastating. So we're not anti-opioid. We're not anti-NSAID. These are great tools. But we're looking at the chronic conditions, and we're understanding that if we don't do something else to reduce the burden, the toxic burden from taking all these potent medicines, you know, I still want people to take NSAIDs. But for me, the story I like to tell is like, I take them when I need them. And they work because I don't have to take them every day. 
when you take them every day, that tolerance, it doesn't allow the medicines to work the same way. And so we wanted to come up with healthier, better for you solutions to, to fighting chronic pain and provide those to the masses. And our first two products are topicals, but we're going to be launching a line of plant medicines uh, in the CBD space, in the cannabis space, as well as uh, wellness supplements like turmeric and fish oil that are really great for just getting our body, you know, reducing the inflammation systemically in our body and helping our body be in, in a state that it can actually help to fight these underlying root causes. So that's the long story of what the field. No, is. that's great. And, and you're definitely the guy that I want to talk to because I've been living my life with, with what you, with basically what you said now, I've been living my life kind of like that for a long time. I, I personally also believe that you can, if you just take care of yourself um, on a constant basis, have some kind of a balance and try to avoid these traps where you can get addicted to things, you know, like people usually think that addictions are like, Oh my God, he's doing drugs. It's the drugs fault or like alcoholics. You have addictions across different products. I can't even believe that people take Tylenol every day and stuff like that, but it's just that you're replacing something in your life and it's, that's the addiction. So every time you're missing something in your life, you'll take this thing, you'll take this thing. It's not a thing that you're taking. It's what you're doing. You're just, you're not happy, right? You're not, Totally. Yeah. But I want to go back and I want to um, ask you about the background first. So I know that there are people who are listening who are also aspiring entrepreneurs who um, maybe are now are founders of the company. So I just want to see how you, this is not the first company you created, right? No, but it's the first real company. Okay. Yeah, there's been plenty of entrepreneur ideas that I've done, you know, because I've always wanted to do this. It's been my, you know, I think a lot of people just have the DNA, like, I can't live my life. I will go insane. I literally do not want to live anymore if I don't have the ability to do stuff like this. This right. is what I'm born for. I wake up every day. I love creating things. I love connecting with people. I love being my own boss. You know, I just, that's me and my genetics. And what I've learned is, You've got to find what you were born to do and then bring people on that can do all the other things because I have plenty of flaws. There's a bunch of things that are so critical to building this business that are actually, I'm not good at it at all. And, but one of the things that I am good at is being super excited and getting my passion aligned. And, you know, I have one tattoo on my body. It says never stop. And that's my motto with this. Like things get so hard. We've had some of the hardest things ever happened to us. And you wake up the next day with a clean slate and you go back to work and you keep pursuing that dream. And that's what I love so much about this. And it's the reason why we're going to be a seven-year overnight success when we mm -hmm. finally make it big and become a mainstream wellness company with the likes of Johnson & Johnson, mm -hmm. Biofreeze, etc. Because it's, it's all about that persistence. And if you have a passion, if you're really passionate about it, you'll persist through anything. Right. And I know, I know, I know you guys have a great team and I would just want to ask you, cause I know from my perspective, I think the team is very, very important when you, when you have these bad things happen to you and you wake up in the morning with energy, how important is to have a, a good team of people around you and how important is actually hiring the right people to share your vision and, and believe in it as well. Yeah. And that one hits really home right now, especially, um, it's everything. Honestly, I think that maybe even more important to the business is the people. I really mm -hmm. believe that. I also think that the energy that the people put into the business has a, has a, you know, it goes somewhere. I really think it matters. I think that the love and care that not just me, but everybody that works on this business puts into the products matters at the end user, especially the way we treat our customers. But even from my perspective, you know, when I wake up with a problem, um, Sam, for example, is is our first hire on the team and this is a guy that played college basketball went overseas played basketball like he is the ultimate teammate and when mm -hmm. i hit up sam whether it's a problem or something good i have zero doubt that he's going to be right next to me in the trenches and that's something like you build a connection with people that you can't you know when you go through some of those hard times together the connection that you build and the trust that you have and it's all about trust. It's just, it's like nothing else. And especially with the trials and tribulations of three years of building a wellness brand like this. I mean, we've seen it all, right? right. We've been sued. We've been kicked off Amazon. We've been told no by 90% of investors, all sorts of things. And, you know, 
what I've learned is Elon Musk has this great quote. He says, starting a company, and I don't even know if he, I think he might have taken this from somebody, mm -hmm. but starting a company is like eating glass and staring into the abyss. Because it is <laughs> like all the problems are going to rise to you. You're literally trying to just find as many problems as you can and solve them all day long. And if you look at it like, oh, problem, 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 you get real depressed. Instead, you got to have the mindset that's opportunity, 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 like fix this, fix this, fix this. Think about how great the world's going to be once we fix these problems, right? Right. That's what all every day consists of for the most part. Yeah, and that, that's the belief that you're changing. The change of the world and the mission and the vision of the company is you really believe in it and you're ready to wake up every morning and eat glass and solve problems and, and get there. And, and, and you know that the more you grow, there's just going to be more problems. It's not going to become more easier, money, right? more problems. Like I was, I was brainstorming with somebody this week and we we're talking about, you know, our goal is to be a billion dollar company. Like we really, we talk about that all the time because we think the mission that we're on, the, the problem that we're solving is so big mm -hmm. that if we can be even a fraction of that solution worldwide, we could be a billion dollar brand. Mm -hmm. and, and we are so passionate about getting to that level where we can impact that many people and we laugh because we know that the problems that are going to come, we can't even create in our brain, right? The truth is stranger than fiction. The real problems that are going to come to us, we can't even conceive of yet. Right. If you don't, if you don't make plans, nothing can go wrong, you know? So that's, I know. <laughs> I think that's from, uh, what's the movie? Um, this Korean movie that won the Oscar, I forgot, Parasite. That's a great movie, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what I want to ask you. So first of all, you mentioned that this is like one of the businesses that you created, right? This is, you mentioned many businesses. Do you believe that? Because many people, you know, like you create something and I was, I'm like that as well. I was creating, trying to do something through Facebook, through LinkedIn or whatnot when I was younger. And many, most of your initial starts fail. Um, but do you believe that staying persistent um, and keep going. Do you, do you learn from these um, new beginnings every time you start? And then now you're a different person, kind of more experienced. Oh, a million percent. I think I think failing fast and persistence are the two secrets. Like you got to jump. You got an idea. Dive in. Go all in. Figure it out. Fail fast, and then learn and move on. And especially in your twenties, like that's kind of where I did a bunch of this. You know, I had a job, I was working in the aerospace industry, so it, it would just be passion projects. The big lesson I learned is this is, the reason I said, you asked me, have you started other businesses? Yes, I have. But I don't count them because those other businesses were always side projects. Mm -hmm. There was a big difference when we I decided to to quit my job and shut down the company that I had created in the aerospace industry. I was I was an independent sales rep. I was very successful. And it was hard to shut that down and move completely over to this brand new area. That was the leap of faith that defines an entrepreneur in my in my mind. Yeah, actually, one thing when I uh, when I added you on Instagram, I saw that you were called Gresh Air, and I, yeah. I didn't know I didn't know about your company. I was like, this is a cool name. This is a very cool name. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is great. So one thing I wanted to ask you as well. So you believe that yeah, creating and starting new businesses and whatnot uh, really helped you. But I wanted to ask you. You mentioned kind of long-term, you, you often meet with your team and you think about the long-term vision, right? And, and I work with founders all the time and I feel like this comes across many times when I speak to different founders, like they're, they're off, often balancing between, well, this is where we're heading, this is what we have to do now. Mm -hmm. This is where we're heading, this is where we have to do now. So I just want to ask you like, how, how do you go about that? That's a, a daily struggle probably. Oh, daily struggle and, and my, my hero, Gary Vaynerchuk, would love it if he's listening right now. Mm -hmm. um, he talks Me about too. the clouds and the dirt, right? Mm -hmm. The clouds are the vision. The dirt is the getting it done, doing the work. And it's a balance. Here's where the team conversation comes in. I believe that my superpower is the clouds. Like I was born to be in the clouds. I love it. I do not like being in the dirt. Now I, there's no option. I got to pack boxes, right? I got to stay up late. I got to do whatever it takes. So I am in the dirt, but finding teammates that can help you with your weakness. For instance, I just hired an intern this week. Mm -hmm. He has been amazing this morning. It's his second day with me in the office. He goes, he asked me about a couple things we talked about the first day. And he said, where are we at with those? As if he's my boss. I said, you know what? I'm going to need you to go and start creating a checklist and holding me accountable 
for these things. Because the point is, you have to be good at both. You have to be. There's no option. You can't live in the clouds and have a vision and not do the work. And I'm not saying that I don't want to do the work. Trust me, if anybody's been around this business for the past six years, they know that we're all willing to do the work. But that's just not my superpower, is building out the day-to-day. And I'm doing it right now, but finding team members like Ethan that just joined the team, Mm -hmm. who is... You know, he's young, hungry, and he's just more excited about getting his hands dirty than he is trying to think about the vision of where we need to navigate and what retail partners we want to go to and what products we want to launch. That's all I want to think about, unfortunately. So it's finding that balance and then bringing team members in that will hold you accountable. Because I need to be told I'm not right all the time. And I absolutely need to be held accountable for getting the work done. Because the vision, honestly, at this point, we've spent so much time on the vision of the company. We know who we are and where we're going. Mm -hmm. That hasn't really changed much in the past year. I don't expect it to change in the next year. So that just leaves one thing for us to do. It's the work. It's get to work every day. We know that's not going anywhere. So that's where I need to get better and level up and, you know, adding teammates that a hold me accountable, but also are proving how you do this, like showing up early, right? Telling me, Hey, right. Do you need, do you have any boxes I can pack? Like that's the stuff that nobody wants to do. And it's just contagious when you have an environment and a culture like that, where people are just looking to do that stuff. It gets me excited to even go pack boxes. Right, right. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. And, and, and as a person who I worked in many startups, uh, well, throughout my, my career, and I definitely, but I worked also for people who, who are CEOs, but not really hardworking. And, and as somebody who worked for them, uh, my motivation gets lost. Like, uh, if I'm following you, right, if I'm believing in your idea, or whatnot, we should both I want to I shouldn't be the last person in right and last person out, you should be it's, it's your like, baby, right? Um, so I, I mean, I think that's great. Um, I want to ask you with hiring, do you, you, you have your identity, you know what your company is. Um, how do you go about hiring? Um, how do you, is there a process that you have, or do you just meet the person and kind of see if they're the right type of person? Yeah. I think the right answer for this, from what I've seen from other successful entrepreneurs and businesses is to have an amazing process mm-hmm. with that being said. I have absolutely none, unfortunately, right now. And and the goal is to get one because I really do believe we're only as good as the team that we build. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just the weakest link on the team is the definition of what the company is. And I think building a really robust, strong team is the only way we're going to get where we want to go. At the same time, you know, you're juggling so many things that what I found for me is being very opportunistic. I also believe in fate. And when mm-hmm. things fall in your lap, it's, I, I, I have a saying I like to say to myself, I'm sorry for swearing, but I'm going to say it anyways. Mm-hmm. It's either fuck yes or no. It's maybe. not like, yeah, maybe. No, if it's yeah, maybe, get away from that. That's just going to take too much time away from you and not be something you want to do. So when people have come into my life that have shown me their skill set and their passion behind what we're doing, those are the people that I end up hiring because right. it's a fuck yes. It's like, oh my God. Now that I've met you and I understand and you're telling me the value you want to add, I we absolutely need to bring you onto the team and bring these capabilities on. So I need to get better at being more proactive and building the systems. We're just starting to get to the place where we're hiring like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been a bootstrap team. We mm-hmm. can't afford to pay full salaries. So the only people that are going to come and work with us are people that believe so much in what we're doing that mm-hmm. they see that vision and they're willing to put the sweat equity in and not get paid full salary for that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess for mine, I really like with, when I started with net capital, this is really where I kind of saw the full power of HR. Often you hear HR, HR. I mean, we, it's not that we have a full, full HR system, but hiring just in general is like, yeah, really, that's not that important, blah, blah, blah. It's just a process where you get people. And then I joined that capital and I, and I realized at some point, everybody is like me. This is the first company where I'm working and everybody is like, you can rely on every single person. And then I remember my previous teams where it'd be like, there would be one person and kind of everybody will know, yeah, if you if you send to this person, it's not really going to work. And this is where I think like the team building is like, if, you, if you're able to do good HR, you're going to create a big team and... and Yeah. You know what might be more important than that? And this Mm -hmm. petrifies me to even talk about because I've never, ever in my life fired somebody. Mm 
but everything I've learned and seen and then seeing turnover even at my own company, like people that leave, I didn't fire, but they leave, the way the culture shifts and changes, being able to fire fast, I think, what is it? I, some famous quote, like hire fast, fire faster, because yeah. you want to bring on the talent, but knowing who's a right fit and you don't need to fire somebody in a derogatory way. It's just not a fit. And there's a there's a million ways that you can leave somebody better off by helping them by a teaching them what wasn't working, but also helping them go find something that they're going to be really passionate for and, and fit. And again, I haven't had to do it yet, but I need to keep talking about it because it probably is more important than hiring. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, our chief compliance officer, who was a CEO of a couple of uh, public companies in his life, very experienced, he told me, I really hate furloughing people, but I really like firing them. <laughs> it's a, when you have to let somebody go because the things are going bad, it's very tough. But if they have done something wrong, it's easier. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's also a part of the business. And I guess um, that I, I guess that comes with age as well, you know, just experience with dealing with people. Um, right. Um, okay, so I had some a couple of more questions. Okay, so you said basically with the CBD industry, right? Um, you got rejected, you got sued, you got taken off Amazon, whatnot. Uh, I know the CBD industry itself is kind of pretty new, right? Um, and due to all these very weird laws and regulations, which are kind of antique, I mean, with the times today, if you do a, like a public opinion survey, I don't, I don't know who would think that like we should restrict CBD at this point. But I know that there are different laws and regulations. And I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you deal with that? Um, and um, yeah. For us, we're pretty fortunate because we've been patient. So we want to make sure that we are not a cannabis company. Mm -hmm. And when when we first, so we've got, we've had our CBD products. We've been prototyping for three years. Mm -hmm. We've been all in on CBD and cannabis as another plant medicine that we can add to our great formulas for a long time. We really believe in the science behind it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we don't need to just dive in. And that's allowed us to slow play. And, and honestly, there's no right answer. Maybe it would have been smarter for us to dive in. But I mm -hmm. really believe it's the wild, wild west right now. Mm -hmm. And the regulations, like you said, are very antiquated. We're kind of waiting to get that light at the end of the tunnel from the FDA and the FTC around mm -hmm. claims and treating it as a supplement or a drug. We mm -hmm. have a couple of good ideas on how we're going to do it today. But we're really kind of waiting so that we can pounce as soon as we have some certainty around exactly what that's going to look like. And, you know, the reason we're able to wait is because we have a great product line that's non-CBD right now. Mm -hmm. And consumers, you know, CBD is not the end-all be-all. A good analogy for you is the number one topical CBD brand, CBD Medic. They also mm -hmm. have CBD Clinic for their, for their um, physical therapy line. Mm -hmm. They sold to Charlotte's Web last year something like 46 million dollars i don't have the exact number but it's in that realm call it mm -hmm. you know 50 50 million biofreeze no cbd they have a pain gel they have a cream they have a patch they have a spray how they're called one more time i think i may biofreeze biofreeze i think i've seen them somewhere yeah they're all over the place you've probably CBS, seen maybe. them see, yeah there you've even seen them on the billboards at Wrigley Stadium and at, you know, the Red right. Sox and on Performance Health is their parent company. They have a partnership with the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. They've blown up the past five years. They've only been in retail for about five years, maybe mm -hmm. just a little longer because there's so much growth to be had in the non-CBD OTC topical pain relief space. Right. They just sold in February. We don't have the final number, but the estimate is $2 billion. Right. Okay. So... The number one CBD brand topical sells for 50 million. The number one non-CBD topical brand, not number one, but fastest growing. Biofreeze has been growing very fast. Right. Sells for multiple billions. Yeah, due to the risk probably. It's the risk, the yeah, there's so many different reasons. Now, I do believe in marrying the two spaces and the CBD products we launch are going to be game changing because mm -hmm. we've been patient. We have some technology that we've uh, developed with a partner company of ours out of the University of Connecticut mm -hmm. that is genuinely going to change the space of CBD. Mm -hmm. It is unbelievable. But that patience is allowing us to put the story together in a way that we don't just show up into the wild, wild west mm -hmm. and say, buy our CBD just like everybody else. We're going to have a very clear story 
and clear reasons and science. We've been spending a lot of time on the science to back up the claims to show that not only are you going to feel better with our product, mm -hmm. you're going to actually get better with our product. Right. Yeah. And just to make clear, so basically, as I understand, the CBD is maybe the next step. And currently you have uh, ranges of product. So what do your what do your current products include? I know that you have turmeric, you have menthol, yeah. all these natural. So is there like a scientific formula how you put these together or how you choose it? I know that turmeric is very good anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, so I just want to how do you go yeah, about that? This is really all what comes down to my, my father's background in in formulating transdermal transdermal means through the skin mm -hmm. uh, pharmaceutical medications and so his expertise was understanding twofold one how do we penetrate ineffectively mm -hmm. so we'll have ingredients in here like aloe vera people know aloe vera for like sunburns and whatnot well aloe vera is very good at helping penetrate the skin mm. another ingredient we have is msm methyl sulfosate yeah um, what's that i saw that it is probably one of the best ingredients at at helping to open up and allow other things to come through with it. So it, it's very synergistic because MSM can help the other ingredients penetrate just as well. So so basically from what you're saying is that I assume that it seems like the penetration itself or the absorption of these nutrients is very, very important, right? It's probably the most important thing. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. So before I go there, I'll just explain. Then yeah. we have other ingredients that are there for a purpose, right? Like turmeric like you mentioned, mm -hmm. is included for its anti-inflammatory properties. Arnica. Arnica has been used topically for centuries. It is amazing. Bruising is typically what it's used for, but it, it helps to improve blood flow. And mm -hmm. any area that we have that's dealing with chronic pain, there's no doubt that improving the blood flow through that area is going to help the healing process. Um, you know, And then we have other ingredients. So it's all plant-based. Things like calendula, devil's claw is a really great anti-inflammatory ingredient uh, that comes from Africa. It's mm -hmm. really neat. It actually looks like a claw. That's why it's got the name devil's claw. But it's a formulation that was compiled by my dad, not just over a course of a couple days or a couple mm -hmm. weeks, over about a decade of working with these ingredients in a transdermal formula and us deciding, okay, how do we make the best, safest, most effective topical OTC that could be sold anywhere in the United States. And that's where we sat down with not just him, but also a world-renowned herbalist, mm -hmm. really understood the plant medicines. My dad had a good understanding of them, but more from a pharmacy standpoint mm -hmm. and more from getting them into a mixture that can penetrate the skin. We then worked with an herbalist to help us find some of these more eclectic um, plant-based medicines to include in the formula. And then we tested it and then we mm -hmm. changed it and then we tested it. This was a multi-year process just to get the product developed. And so that's why we're so proud. We don't think we need to launch right into CBD because our natural pain cream works without mm -hmm. CBD, significantly cheaper than CBD. Mm -hmm. Now, when we add this new CBD tech to our product, it's going to be the same core formula, but with a water-soluble full-spectrum CBD that's going to enhance it. And obviously the price goes up because CBD is so expensive, mm -hmm. but we want to offer patients non-CBD options as well as CBD options. And we think that that is going to be really our niche. When you look at most brands today, they're one or the other. We wanna be the wellness brand that helps you fight pain with plant-based medicines. If you're not a cannabis fan, that's totally fine. We're gonna have great products for you. If you do wanna experiment with cannabis and other uh, CBD and CBG and other cannabinoids, then we're gonna have products for you as well. Right. And just to follow up, right? Uh, CBD, I mean, in general, like cannabis and CBD is just another plant, right? So it might be, and I'm just throwing stuff here. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but like, it might be that CBD goes great with, I don't know, the devil's plant or uh, yeah. some some type of turmeric or something, but it doesn't go well with other ingredients, but the, the other ingredients might work good together. Um, totally. And to that point, it's the reason why our CBD product has been testing for the past two years, mm -hmm. making sure that there are no adverse reactions by Because when you add an ingredient like CBD, and by the way, let me be clear, we're not adding CBD. We're adding the entire hemp plant that mm -hmm. CBD is a significant component of. Right. It's very important. A lot of products just have CBD in it. I really believe too much in CBD as an isolate. Mm -hmm. I know that it's been proven as an FDA approved drug to treat epilepsy in a drug called Epidolex. So I know that CBD has medicinal properties, but we believe at the Feel Good Lab 
that the way these plants were designed, whoever designed them, the ingredients and the, the synergies between these ingredients are what make them so special. Mm-hmm. CBD has hundreds of other cannabinoids. I mean, sorry, the hemp plant has right. hundreds of other cannabinoids, CBG, THC, CBDA, as well as all these other terpenes in other pieces of the plant that when we've, you know, there's some anecdotal studies, not anecdotal, they're real studies coming out of, um, um, coming out of Tel Aviv in mm-hmm. Israel. And what they showed was in, in rats for topical, mm-hmm. this was a topical preparation of CBD on rats. When they used the whole plant instead of just the CBD isolate, mm-hmm. they were able to get the same anti-inflammatory pain relieving effects as the, with lower dose of mm-hmm. CBD because they had the rest of the plant. Here, this was even crazier. No, raw CBD isolate was a bell-shaped dose response curve. So I'll have to give right. you some details to explain this to people that don't aren't reading studies like this. Yeah. What that means is you need to dose exactly in the middle of that bell-shaped curve for mm-hmm. each unique individual and they all have a different curve. If you don't hit the exact dose of CBD, if it's too low, it won't work. If it's too high, it won't work. Guess mm-hmm. what happened when you used the whole plant in these studies coming out of Israel? It With plateaued. Everybody? The mm-hmm. whole the 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 chart plateaued, which means if you use too high of a dose, you still get that efficacy. It doesn't drop off like the bell-shaped curve. Mm-hmm. That means that you can take a product for the masses because we I don't know what your bell-shaped curve is. You don't know what my bell-shaped curve is. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they're the same. We don't both need three milligrams of CBD. But if you can get that curve to plateau, that means you can get a dosage that's efficacious for a much larger portion of the population. So that's one of the studies that we really hung our hats on, on why we needed to find a cannabis plant that had a full spectrum, all the different cannabinoids. And then there was another big key. We needed to make that water soluble because Mm -hmm. if it's not water soluble, it's not going to mix into a cream or lotion that's mostly water let alone right. into our body that's mostly water and get through the skin, which has a very important uh, water phase to it. So we happen to partner with a company that's doing some of the best work in the water-soluble cannabis space. I mean, not some of the best work. They are doing the best work mm-hmm. that, of any company that I found, and I've been looking for two years. I mean, this is game-changing technology that we'll be adding to our product. We're very excited about it. Right. Can we disclose who it is, or is it secret? It's a little secret right now, okay. but it'll okay. be coming out soon. No, but that's that's great to hear. And the one one of the reasons why I actually asked about absorption is because, for example, for me, um, I had prob like even not only with skin, but I had problems with skin as well as like they're not big problems, but I just had some issues with skin. I have eczema yeah. since I came to Boston actually because Boston is very dry and cold. Yeah. So like as a guy, I was never like treating my skin. I would always be like, yeah, no, it's a little bit dry. Who cares? Until one day I had just an outbreak and I was like, oh my God, I have to start putting some kind of cream because it's not going to take care of itself. And with food, I had problems with absorption where I started taking vitamin B. I mean, I was eating bread and and, I'm not drinking beer and all these things that have vitamin B, but sometimes if your stomach is not in the proper equilibrium, I don't, I don't think I was absorbing it. I started taking it and it really changed a lot. Like I had some nerve pain that went away and I was like, Oh, this is probably due to absorption. So that's why I asked about that. Um, Big time. And actually that you remind me. So right. So you, you brought this up earlier and it is so critical to our mm-hmm. products and what we try to do. You said, if it doesn't absorb, then it doesn't really work. And that's a hundred percent. If you put a product on the skin and it doesn't actually get through, it's not going anywhere. Yes, you can use things like menthol that we have in our product that give you a sensation on the skin. That sensation takes the edge off because there's a thing called the gate theory of pain. Mm-hmm. So your nerves are going to send the cold sensation of the menthol or the mm-hmm. heat sensation of the capsaicin, which is another active ingredient, instead of the pain. So you trick your nerves. Trick it. Oh, I never knew that. Actually, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's that's why menthol is an FDA-approved drug. And in our product, we are an over-the-counter drug because we use menthol. The difference is if you look at the Icy Hots and the BioFreezes of the world, they have about anywhere from 5 to 15% menthol. Mm. We use 1.25%, the minimum effective dose. This is the minimum dose that the FDA is allows to be... Uh, legally make claims around pain and that way 98.75% of our formula can be all these other great ingredients 
that are that I talk about coming from my dad's pharmacy. The menthol is in there because it makes us an OTC drug. Mm-hmm. And we don't just do it for that. That is a great benefit. Being an OTC drug, making claims around pain is amazing. Taking the edge off is another secondary benefit. But it's really the other ingredients in our formula that make us so much more special than everybody else. Yeah, you just blew my mind, actually, because this is what I, like, I find in my life. Sometimes there are things that are completely obvious to me, but like I've never figured them out. Like this with menthol and cold, I've never thought like I thought maybe it makes it numb. That was my logic. You know, like it makes it numb so you yeah. don't feel it. But it's not you trick you trick your mind. And the funny thing is I've, I've dug a lot of research into this. The reason is, and this isn't the reason, but a good analogy is say you, <clears throat> say you break your leg and you're in a lot of pain. Um, but you're, you're frozen out in the tundra, right? Like mm-hmm. what's going to kill you first? Yeah. You're frozen. You're, you're right. So yeah. the brain has a hierarchy of what's more important. And for whatever reason, Temperature is more important in the hierarchy than pain. So if you can get a temperature input on the site, the brain is going to choose to take those signals over the pain. That's why heating pads work too. Right. That's true. I think I think you also if you want to if you want to I think now when you if you want to improve your sleep, you have cooling pads. Oh yeah, I have one on my bed. It's called the chili pad. Is it pad. good? Is it good Amazing. the chili pad? Here's the problem with it. It's very expensive. Yeah. And once you move to this, you will never go back. Like when I sleep in a hotel, I'll put the temperature at 50 and I'll still sweat. Because at home, the temperature could be 75, but my chili pad takes all the heat right out of my body pad. And through it's got like a little device at the end of the bed. Mm-hmm. And it just, it really cools your core body temperature, which is a critical aspect of getting a good night's sleep. It's amazing. I would yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I heard about it. I, I I like doing also. I don't know what you think about like cold showers. If you're if you're into that, I'm diving again into oh, yeah. the the heli- No, you don't like it. I love them. I ha- like- have a hard time sticking with them, but I usually try to end my shower like fifteen <laughs> to thirty seconds to just in the morning too. The, the mindset I give myself is like, if I can handle this cold shower, exactly, I can handle whatever the day is gonna <laughs> throw at me. You know, exactly. And it wakes you really nice. It really wakes you up quickly. Oh, totally. um, but yeah, I, I came to a point because like I was doing them in Boston and what happens in, like if you do them in the summer, ah, it's okay, it's cold. If you do them in the winter, oh, Ooh. you you get numb like your skin and you have to be very quick. And it's I think there are also breathing techniques that you can do and you can calm oh, yourself yeah. down. Which yeah, is, have you heard of Wim Hof? Yeah, I think yeah, we, we've been watching a lot of the similar stuff. <laughs> oh, I love Wim. Wim is Wim is one of my favorite guys. What a cool guy he is. Yeah, I, I think they did the test on in Netherlands, basically on the people that um, do his technique, and they would, well, with all the irony, they would inject a virus <laughs> yeah. into people's bodies, and with breathing, they can calm down their reaction and not react, so they can control their immune system. And I was hundred percent. I think we we don't even know anything about that. Unbelievable. Wim Hof opened my eyes to so many things. He's the reason. Not the reason, but he's a main reason I started intermittent fasting. Wim only eats one meal a day, one mm-hmm. big meal. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if Wim said this or I heard it somewhere or maybe I just put it together. But between the intermittent fasting and the temperature work that he does, he does extreme heat mm-hmm. and he does the extreme cold. I'm actually a huge fan of saunas. Oh, me too. My dream is to put a sauna in my apartment or my condo here. Um, you know, I know they're not that expensive, but once the feel good lab starts taking off, but here's the the big epiphany I had, Mm -hmm. we live our lives where we want to be 72 degrees and comfortable and fed 24 seven. We're never not digesting. If you eat three meals a day, you're never not digesting. And in a, in, you know, our typical lifestyle, maybe you're outside in the colder heat for a tiny amount of time and you're bundled up. So your core body temperature never really rises or falls that much. I believe that the the sauna, the cold showers, and the intermittent fasting is just, it's like working out. You're stressing your body just like when you work out, but in temperature ranges and food ranges to allow you to be more flexible. And when your body is flexible, that's when it heals itself. When it has the ability to cool down, when it has the ability to heat up, when it has the ability to fast and not eat anything. Mm-hmm. Our body, you know, when we were cavemen, we were not intended to be 72 degrees and well-fed. Mm-hmm. We were intended to go hunt, you know, get a big meal for the for the tribe and then probably go many days without eating again and then right. having to go do it again. 
Right. Yeah. And it's one thing I would add to that. That's your right on the, on the point. Um, there's also, I think, the me mental aspect of control. Like with, when you do all of these things, you know, if you're sitting in a sauna for like 20 minutes and then you're like, oh, I, I have to like, I, I want to stay 10 more minutes, you know, and after some, some, if you're like fasting for like 10 hours, you're very hungry. If you do it for 14 days and you just don't eat when you get the, 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 the urge to eat, you just go ab above it and you realize this is just like a, a reflex. It's like hungry, eat, hungry, eat. And it's like, okay, we don't really have to eat. It's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You can control these things. You're so right. I mean, the, you nailed it. The 14 days is that, sh in my opinion, it's got a lot to do with sugar because a oh, lot yeah. of the fasting has to do with ketosis. And I'm no expert in this, but mm -hmm. I definitely have listened to a lot of podcasts on it. And I've tried stuff on myself, mm -hmm. taking ketones and playing with that. When Did you that work out? Did it work out? Yeah, yeah I liked ketones, them. Yeah, never I liked them. I didn't necessarily feel a huge difference, but I felt like I was doing something that was beneficial to me. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I do think that they can be beneficial. And I've also tested um, my levels. blood mm -hmm. and I've seen that I do, I am currently producing ketones. So, what I, so when I just did my last um, blood test, there were ketones in there, which was a great sign. Um, so qu question. So were you doing like a full keto diet or were you just like no, taking keto? Mm -hmm. Just about just I'm, I am trying to eat lower carb and gluten free and, mm -hmm. and less sugar. Mm -hmm. So that all plays into it. But really just the fasting is what gets me into ketosis. I try. I usually eat pretty late at night, unfortunately, but mm -hmm. I won't eat often days. I won't eat until four five, six, seven, eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. I love that. Those are my best days. One, so just, okay, one thing for the people who are listening, we're talking about ketosis and whatnot. And ketosis is basically burning when you come into a fat burning state. So your body uses ketones instead and your fat molecules instead of uh, glucose and pure carbohydrate for energy. Um, so it actually improves your ability to burn fat as well as, you, I think you'll reach a state where you're like clearer. I think that like there's some ultra marathon runners that you to do that because when you're running, you're carrying fat. So you, if you train your body to use that fat efficiently, you can, you have more resources. Yeah. The mental clarity, honestly, is uh, the mental aspect of this was way better than the physical for me. Physically, mm -hmm. my stomach felt way better by just eating less because like I told you, I had a sensitive stomach. So if I eat less, my stomach has the ability to start healing itself a little more. So mm -hmm. that was step one. Then I started eating a little healthier. But you nailed it when you said the 14 days, right? Mm -hmm. It does. It takes about 14 days. And, and that's the reason I went into this ketosis discussion because we're used to eating sugar and mm -hmm. even carbs and the most of the stuff we eat, those convert to sugar. And that's the way the body gets energy. So if we're never produ producing ketones, it only knows how to get sh sugar from, from glucose. Mm -hmm. And we train the body. It takes about 14 days to break that cycle. Those 14 days can be hell. You know, like you ever get that lightheaded feeling when yeah. you, you haven't eaten, right? Yeah. You, you you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I haven't gotten that in two years. I used to get it all the time. I, get, I the used time. to get anxiety all the time. Now I don't. I used to get like cold hands. Like if I wouldn't. Yeah. So, so yeah, if I wouldn't eat like for 16 hours, I would get cold hands, which is basically your body taking where your, uh, your, your um, blood into your extremity, from your extremities to your organs to preserve heat. Yeah. And, and it would be very annoying, but now I don't, I don't get it anymore. Same like now, like I haven't eaten yet today, tonight at seven o'clock, I'm going to play basketball. Like I probably won't eat right. and I have zero problem. It's pretty amazing, right? You can, here, here's a cool statistic. This, this one blew my mind. You can last and I'll have the day, I'll have the days off a little bit, but the, the idea is still the same. Yeah. You can last about 30 days without eating food. Mm. You can last, right. you know, couple days without water you can last even less without sleep and that tells you how to prioritize things you know exactly if you can't last like three days and you go into like some hallucinogenic stages you start losing yourself without sleep that means sleep is pretty pretty important pretty important they're not you're not even allowed to do studies on sleep deprivation anymore because too mm. many people died right so you can't even study it like we, we need sleep more than anything. Water is probably second. Honestly, I would say we need relationships more than we need food. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed while I started measuring and using like devices similar to Whoop. Um, I noticed one thing. Well, I stopped eating before going to bed. At three hours before going to bed, I wouldn't eat because my resting heart rate would just stay up and I would sleep. Uh, I would have a lower performance when sleeping, right? 
and just my, my heart wouldn't just normally go down and um, but also uh, at the same time kind of uh, just measuring these things like measuring sleep and seeing how important it is and I see like if I sleep well then the next day I'm going to perform you know and I think we also have this culture where it's like work 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 sleep is for the week and whatnot but like if you are like if you're efficient in your sleeping and you get enough and people have different requirements right for me it's like seven eight hours i'm good totally. um, so if i get those in i'm going to be much better in everything else that i do and there's a big difference between six good hours of sleep and ten awful hours right exactly. and you know what plays a ton into it food alcohol and marijuana those mm -hmm. play hugely i mean you know like i we're, we've been up in mass before where it's legal. We'll just say mm -hmm. that I've partaken before. <laughs> it apps, I, people say they sleep better, right? You, okay. You may pass out longer, but biologically there are things that are happening that are negative. We, we don't need marijuana to sleep. We don't need alcohol to sleep. Those are, if you have a whoop and you can check it on nights when you drink and mm -hmm. nights when you don't drink, your sleep score is going to be through the roof on nights that you don't drink. Same with marijuana. You, right. I've heard, and I don't, um, I don't know if this is true, but the doctor was on Rogan. It's a pretty credible podcast to be listening mm -hmm. to. Marijuana interferes with all of our REM activities in sleep. And so I know for me personally, I love to dream and have very vivid dreams. Well, wouldn't you know that if I partake, I don't have a single dream? Yeah, I had I had the same real. Actually, I had a, what happened to me is like, well, when I was younger, when I was like I don't know twenty or something, I used to smoke very often, and then I realized I would, for some, I was traveling, so I would stop, right, and I would have crazy dreams, yep. and I'll be like, this is this this is not normal, and then the, I think the doctor came on Rogan, and I was like, oh my god, and then you heard the same realized, guy because he was amazing, and yeah, it blew my mind. I think I the blonde name, the blonde guy who's about sleep, um, yeah. I can't remember what's his name, but he was great. And actually, it's true because, like, I measure my sleep, and if I ever, as you say, partake, um, it's just you sleep maybe nine hours, but it's it's you are not fully recovered. It's not as bad as alcohol, but it's, yeah, the the yeah, episode the was worst. with um, with Doctor Matt Walker was the guy, okay. yeah. and I'd recommend anybody who's you know trying to improve their sleep. That one blew my mind, and it's really still still hitting me because I don't think I'm actually doing enough to to improve my sleep. Mm -hmm. When it's probably the number one area that you can look at to improve improve your performance, your wellness, chronic pain, all of these things. Now, obviously, pain can impact sleep, um, and most of our customers actually write me and say one of the number one times I love using your product is before before bed because I can sleep through the night. And mm -hmm. that think about the benefits of just the sleep, not just our product, but the sleep mm -hmm. can give to the body to be able. It's to compounding, sleep. right? Uh, absolutely. Right. Um, cool. So let's, let's, I want to go back to a little, a little bit more of a business aspect. Um, I know you mentioned that you have these different ingredients, uh, since you're in Connecticut, I assume probably there are not too many ingredients in Connecticut. No. So how do you go about that? You get them, you import them or you, you yeah. get them on daily basis. Yeah. We, you know, obviously it's important to have really clean, good, safe ingredients. So we have, you know, we have contractors and vendors and suppliers, um, they all come from different places. A lot of them do come from the United States. Things like turmeric uh, come from India and um, arnica comes from different places in the world. One of the cool things about that though is for cannabis, you know, the, the, this, the cannabis plant is very special and unique. And because you can grow it to be much more, you know, depending on how you grow it is how well the medicine comes in. You can see it in the buds. You can... You can just see it in the health and vibrance of the plant. Mm -hmm. Also, the cannabis plant is incredible at sucking things up from the soil. Mm -hmm. So you need to be especially careful. They'll use um, hemp in mm -hmm. what's called remediation. So say you have an oil spill in an area. Mm -hmm. They'll plant hemp because the, the roots will suck up and, and act as a remediation. So the moral of the story is you need to be particularly careful with cannabis. So what we did this year is we grew our own. We wanted to really take that ingredient and say, we're going to treat this from seed to sale. Mm -hmm. We're going to get our license in Connecticut. So we got a, um, a growing license for hemp. Mm -hmm. We got beautiful land up in the mountains. It was just a gorgeous place that you just wanted to spend time. Mm -hmm. And we grew about an acre of CBD, of cannabis. And 
not only that, you know, it was our first time doing it. We get all the test results back. We test for heavy metals and all that stuff. They came back flying colors as I would expect, mm -hmm. but I would not have expected our first batch of cannabis to come back with the profile of cannabinoids. Like I told you of, that was mm -hmm. so important having a good mix. It was our first try. It came back better than I could have ever imagined. And I honestly think part of that has to do with just us putting the intent into it and the, you know, the love and care and actually treating it like medicine the whole way through, not just like a commodity that right. most suppliers are. They're, they're growing. We grew one acre. Most suppliers are growing hundreds of acres, mm -hmm. right? We found with this ingredient, especially, it was very important to put the focus on it. And we want to expand this into other ingredients as we grow and scale. So you, you, you plan to basically make your own ingredients because ultimately those ingredients are going to make your product. So the passion you put into the ingredient is actually the passion you put into your product. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty woo woo like that. Like mm -hmm. I do believe it matters. I mean, there's been plenty of studies that show when somebody puts certain energy, when they, when they plant and they're doing these sort of things that the plants will grow better and healthier. I believe in that. I believe in the, the energy of the people that are working on them just is impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, perfect. So, well, uh, I want to also dive in and I'm going to give you a full disclosure that we cannot fully talk about the regulation crowdfunding offering um, just because of the compliance standpoint. But I want to ask you, I know that many founders, especially like at these stages, they deal with investing and then they deal with running the company, you know. Um, so I want to ask you from your experience. How complicated is to do both things? Do you do them both at the same time? I've listened to podcasts where there were founders at different stages, actually. There was a founder that was basically, he would go fundraising and he would dedicate 30 days only to fundraising. And he would fast, wake up in the morning, do pitch, 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 come back, eat, go uh, schedule the next round of calls, and then strategically also make the calls and whatnot. Um, but I think this company was at some later stage, but he was just explaining his thought process. And I was like, wow, really, this is next level. So I want to ask you, how do you go about that? Yeah. Um, fundraising is the worst. And my <laughs> advice to any entrepreneur is to delay fundraising as long as humanly possible and raise funds from your customer, mm -hmm. however you can. Because once you get trapped in the perpetual loop of raising money, you need to consistently raise money. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have learned that lesson. I'm, I'm so happy that we did raise money when we did because I was able to learn this lesson the hard way. Guess what I've been doing the past three years? Basically every day, including mm -hmm. right now when we actually have some cash in the bank, mm -hmm. raising money because we're never not going to be raising money and trying to grow because we're in the perpetual loop where we're not cash flow positive from our customers mm -hmm. yet because, mm -hmm. you know, and there's good reason. We're trying to do some big things and I, I don't think... You know, there's a lot of good reasons to raise money, but if mm -hmm. you can wait because of what you said earlier, it's a full-time job. I'm raising money every day. The best time of my life raising money was Reg CF. Now I can't say too much about it, mm -hmm. but that was by far the easiest, not even close. It took a lot of preparation to get a great listing and working with you guys and all the different things we did. But once that was up, Yes, I still had to have my daily calls with investors and all the sorts of things that come with it. It was so much easier mm -hmm. than because typically, let's take Reg CF out of it. Typically how fundraising works and just for some background, not that I'm an expert in this, but for the Feel Good Lab specifically, I've been able to raise from my alma mater on a convertible note, mm -hmm. friends and family on safe notes, mm -hmm. priced rounds from angel investors, Reg CF. I've gotten debt from the state of Connecticut. Um, so I've seen all these different instruments and interacted with groups, with institutions, with all these different places. They typically, 99% of the people you talk to and pitch are not going to do a deal. So you waste so much time. It's just wasted. A lot of people say really mean things to you that don't understand your business. It builds this thick skin that I think is a prerequisite. It's like, it's really important to be able to go into the gauntlet and come out the other side. Mm -hmm. With that being said, it is just such a time sink. And if you don't do it the right way, I think the guy you were talking about that seemed very structured, that seemed like a more efficient way to do it than what I've learned the hard way, mm -hmm. which is constantly putting yourself out there 
and trying to talk to everybody you possibly can to try to see what kind of leads and connections you can to get investment. Yeah, and well, thank you first for the kind words. I think many people, uh, when they start doing Reg CF, if, if that's their kind of a first experience, they would think that it's very hard to raise money and then you and then they go to the VC fund and then they see what kind of due diligence they're doing and they want the board seat and they want this and they want that. So there, and but on the other hand, they bring experience. So what? With, with that said, uh, I want to ask you, like, if you do look at investors as well as somebody who's your partner, because I know that investors can really come in and like, if there if there is somebody, let's say uh, Gary Gary V, he comes in and invests, he can probably give you the best advice in the world and be next to you and you know do all that good stuff. So do you look like some, when you look for an investor, you know, like when you vet them, do you look for somebody who's your partner as well and who's going to support you through this? Yeah, always. And um, I always, I always am looking for, you know, people to, that can mentor me and things like that. And so the answer is yes, of course, mm -hmm. but I'm going to actually switch it a little bit. Mm -hmm. What I've recently learned is everybody has an opinion. Mm -hmm. And if you sit here and listen to everybody's opinion, they're going to be... Gary's going to tell you this. Wim Hof's going to tell you this. Everyone's going to tell you something different. You have to follow your heart. You should get advice from smart people that have done it before. Mm -hmm. But once you get the advice, work with your team, come up with a strategy and execute it because it's what you want to do, not what an advisor or an investor wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, they don't have the full optics. Yes, they've got experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, they might be even right. But when you make the decision from your heart and then you're the one whose neck is on the line going to execute it every day, that's what entrepreneurship is about to me. So I think it's being really careful. For a while, I had too many people giving me advice. Mm -hmm. Now, we haven't made it yet. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying I had too many people giving me advice and now I'm right and we've made it. No, mm -hmm. that's not it at all. But you can't, act, you can't do anything when people are just giving you different ideas all day long, right? right. You can't actually yeah. go out and execute. Yeah. And this is why I like, I think sometimes when we spoke about employees as well as like getting people and you want to get the people who believe in your idea, I think exactly the same thing applies for investors. You want the people who are giving you advice to be experienced and to believe in you and your idea and also to wake up in the morning and believe in you and all that stuff. So like even, even, you know, even if you, if you're right or whatnot, they'll, they'll guide you, you know, like I feels like it always, you have to have some kind of an advisory board or something like that at least throughout my life, people totally. who are more experienced than me have uh, helped me really, really a lot. Um, yeah. Good. Uh, well, I think we covered that as well. So I think, I think I don't know, how, how long have we been uh, on this? I think for... Probably an hour. Probably an hour, yeah. So I'd say we should probably start closing in. Um, we covered many topics. Um, I, I, well, I would like, like to ask you two things. Um, one thing is if you could give an advice for, for somebody who's starting their company, what would it be? Um, and the second thing would be where can people find you? Uh, where can people find Feel Good Labs? Um, and yeah, you can take that. My, my advice. All right. I like this one a lot. Um, I, I've got the, gotten the opportunity to work with a bunch now. It's been a couple of years um, of aspiring entrepreneurs as a mentor through my alma mater and, and do some of this. And there's so many different types of entrepreneurs. So I have two types of advice. It depends on the type that you are. The type of entrepreneur that comes to someone like me and says, is this a good idea or should I do this? My advice is get a job and, and let me finish. Because I'm not saying it derogatory. I'm not saying don't be an entrepreneur. 100% be an entrepreneur. Go and get a job in the industry that you're passionate about and learn all the things going on there with somebody else paying you. And then while they're paying you, as long as you don't have a non-compete, you build the business on the side. It's, I mean, there's just no doubt that that is the better way to do it. If you're asking, should I do this? Is this good? You need to go live in that industry and see all of the challenges and really, really, really figure out what the problem is and then what people are willing to pay for and then go develop it and build it. Mm -hmm. So that's one type of entrepreneur. Like 
There is nothing wrong with getting a job out of college and not starting a business. The best thing that ever happened to me was my jobs in the aerospace industry because I will never go back. <laughs> I know what I don't want to do. I, I, ta I got taught so much. It was amazing. I'm never going to go back. When you go straight into entrepreneurship, you lose a lot of like what it's like to work at a big corporation. What are some of the good things? What are some of the bad things? It's important to learn those lessons. So that's honestly, I'm one of those people, so I'm not being derogatory at all. I think 99% of people should follow that advice. The 1% of people, and I have one student in particular I'm working with right now, mm -hmm. she's a freshman in college and she is going to be the next Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely incredible. Hers, her advice is she's getting advice from everybody all day long because she's such a rock star and she's kicking butt, including me. And I have to preface it. Every time I tell her something, I say, do not listen to anybody except for you. You're the rock star. You're the reason we're all obsessed with helping you. You're the reason you're at this place today. Don't let everybody else's ideas come and cloud your vision for where you want to take this. You've got it. Just go. Figure it out. She's also the type of person that, for example, as a freshman in college, she went door to door to Whole Foods and got told no 16 times until one of the buyers said, I'll give you a chance. Like, that's not a normal person, mm. right? Especially as a freshman in college, right? Oh my goodness. So when you're that type of person, listen to your heart, keep going, you got it. When you're like me, go learn, go find mentors, go get a job, go understand the landscape in the area that you want to build a business in like really, really well and have somebody else pay you while you develop the idea. It's way better. Then you don't have to go raise money and get stuck in the perpetual loop of always raising money instead of getting customers and having customers pay you because your product or your service is so amazing for them. Yeah, I say reoccurring revenue is underrated big time, oh, <laughs> especially these days, right? Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but with that being said, um, people can follow me. Uh, they can find the Feel Good Lab, first of all, thefeelgoodlab.com and we're on Instagram. Um, and then me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Gresh, G-R-E-S-H. I love connecting with people, um, love sharing the story about our products and what we're up to. So I'm happy to connect with anybody. And then you can follow me on social media too. My Instagram is uh, Gresh Air, G-R-E-S-H Air. I love the Instagram. I was, <laughs> when I saw this on Gresh Air, I didn't know. I was like, he's the heir. But that's great, yeah. man. Thank you so much for coming on. I think, I think we covered everything. Um, I think this uh, was a great time. I hope you had a great time and hope to have you back again um, to catch up on different things. And hopefully we have different uh, new diets when we come back. Maybe it's some reverse fasting or like only tea or something. But uh, love it. Love yeah, Vladimir, it's a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure working with you over the past few months. You guys have been awesome and I look forward to staying in touch and uh, staying friends when I'm up in Boston next time. I'm going to reach out. Perfect. Yeah, feel free. Oh, all right. Great. Perfect. Uh, that's all. For